Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Sporting CP Thursday, March the 16th Kick-off 8pm The contents Captain's notes Around Arsenal Sustainability Player feature Carl Hine Community voice Foundation voice Minutes detail Academy young gun Eno Sosa Arsenal women Visitors Sporting CP Match action. Arsenal versus Bournemouth. Match action. Sporting CP versus Arsenal. And teams. Martin Odegaard. Captain's notes. To win that game against Bournemouth in the last seconds like that was just absolutely incredible. I've not known anything like it. It was crazy. The way we won the game, the feeling and the atmosphere in the stadium together with you all, it was just a great feeling in the end. The way we were all together, the team and the supporters, so happy together. To win a game like this, I think it gave us a lot. It gives us togetherness and everything. It was so special and felt really good. I've seen the photos from that winning goal and I'm laying on my back while everybody runs off. To be honest, I was just so tired that's all I could do. I was so relieved at that moment, so I just fell to the floor when Race scored. I don't know why. It just happened in the moment and I felt so tired, happy and relieved. I felt everything at the same time. There were some big celebrations on the pitch, but to be honest, in the dressing room afterwards, it wasn't too crazy. Everyone was happy, of course, and there was a great feeling, but we just celebrated like we always do after a good win. Maybe we were all too tired. It was nice to celebrate out on the pitch with you all but back inside we were a bit more calm. We were all so happy for Race. What a moment for him. He'd been struggling with his injury lately, and I know it's been tough for him not to be there with us in those last few games. He's been training in the gym and doing his recovery. It's not easy. He hasn't played that much, but every time he's been involved, he's given something different to the team. He did it back in October, of course, when we played Nottingham Forest and he came on and scored those goals. And now he's done this, a really important goal. I'm really happy for him because he works hard and he deserves it. So let's keep that positive energy going into tonight's game. I had to miss the first leg in Portugal last week because I was unwell. I had quite a rough week actually and didn't feel very well at all for a few days so we decided I wouldn't play. So it wasn't the best week for me but in the end I got ready for the Fulham game so it wasn't too bad. But I watched that first game against Sporting, of course, and I thought it was much more open than we would have liked. We did some things in the game that we normally don't, and we know they have quality, so they will punish you for any mistakes. We gave away some simple balls, and we can't afford to do that, 
it was a bit too open and we didn't play with the control we normally do. On the other side, we showed a lot of good things as well. So if we learn from what we did wrong, put that right tonight, then we can fix it here at home. Another positive from the first leg for us was Jacob Kiwior making his debut. It was great for him to get his first minutes with us because he's been training really well since he joined. So for him to play his first game from the start, in a big occasion like that, was a great opportunity for him and you could see his qualities. I'm sure he'll just get better and better now, especially when he understands more of what we're doing, builds those relationships on the pitch with the rest of the team and develops the language too. A draw away from home in Europe against a good team is never a bad result and the mentality has changed as well now that the away goals rule has ended. For me, that has definitely made these games a bit different. Before in the knockout stages it was very tactical, there were a lot more scenarios to think about during the game. Now it's much more straightforward, so maybe that's good in that way, but to be honest I'm not sure whether I prefer it yet or not. All we know is that we play at home tonight, and if we win, we're through, so that's our target. It's our first European tie since the start of November, and although I don't think it's difficult to switch focus from the Premier League to Europe, it's true that the routines are different. We're back travelling, and it's a different kind of football to what we face every week in the league, so it feels a bit different, but I don't think it's really difficult to change the focus, because you want to win every game you play. You want to win every tournament you participate in, so it's just a new challenge for us, and a different type of football as well. We'll approach the game like we always do, and we know we can count on your brilliant support again back here at home. Enjoy the game. Around Arsenal, Mikel makes it 100 wins. Congratulations to our manager, Mikel Arteta, who registered his 100th win as Arsenal boss at Craven Cottage on Sunday. Mikel became the ninth manager in the club's history to achieve this century, and he was typically self-effacing about the landmark after the game. It's great, we have to continue like that. I'm delighted to do that, but unfortunately it's not a title, so there's still a lot to improve. It means that we have a lot of people doing the right things at the club. In the team, a lot of players contributing immensely, and especially the support we have which in my opinion has absolutely transformed this team with that energy. So I'm really happy. Under Mikel, we have scored 292 goals in his 168 games in charge. And this season, he has achieved a remarkable 73% win ratio. Mikel's full record. Wins by venue. Home, 50. Away, 47. Neutral, 3. Wins by season. 19 stroke 20, 16, 20 stroke 21, 31, 21 stroke 22, 26, 22 stroke 23, 27. Mikel Arteta's full record, plate 168, wins 100, draws 24, loss 44, for 292, against 170. Wins per competition. Premier League 70, Europe 15, FA Cup 8, Carabao Cup 6, Charity Shield 1. All winning scorelines under Mikel Arteta. 2-0, 17, 1-0, 17, 2-1, 15, 
three nil twelve three one eleven three two seven four two six four nil five four one three five nil two five one two six nil one nil nil one one on penalties one 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 on penalties wins by days of the week monday six tuesday three wednesday thirteen thursday nineteen friday two saturday twenty eight sunday twenty nine tonight's officials our referee tonight is antonio mateo lahoz who is from spain Antonio may be best remembered as the man in the middle for the epic World Cup quarter-final between Netherlands and Argentina last December when he issued 15 yellow cards and one red. The 46-year-old from Valencia is a very experienced official, having been on the Champions League list since 2012-13. His assistants are Paul Sebrian Davis and Roberto del Palomar and the fourth official is Ricardo de Burgos, all of whom are also from Spain. The VAR official is Italian Massimiliano Irati, whose Spanish assistant is Ignacio Iglesias Villaneva. Do you want to be a part of Arsenal? Now is the chance for you to join our world-class retail and stadium tours teams. We're recruiting casual workers for our stadium tours and retail stores team for the 2023-24 season. These roles will provide amazing opportunities to help our supporters engage with our club. Our retail stores sell a wide range of Arsenal-related products and act as a hub of supporter activity throughout the season, especially on a match day. Our stadium tours and museum experience provide self-guided audio tours into the heart of the Emirates Stadium to approximately 200,000 supporters every year as well as offering VIP tours led by a variety of Arsenal legends. We'd love to hear from you if you have a real passion for delivering amazing experiences for our supporters. You're friendly, love talking to people and can work as part of a team. You can commit to working across weekends and peak holiday periods. Please scan the QR code at this part of the programme to apply or visit HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash careers dot arsenal dot com British Sign Language at Emirates Our last match here at Emirates Stadium produced a remarkable climax as Reese Nelson's unforgettable goal snatched all three points with his 97th minute winner against Bournemouth on Saturday March 4th and the match was also memorable as it marked a landmark fixture for the club's deaf supporters in conjunction with the Level Playing Field Unite for Access campaign, the game against Bournemouth was our first match day which was fully integrated with British Sign Language, BSL. Our pitch side show before the epic 3-2 win was the first to be delivered with full BSL integration and all our home games at Emirates Stadiums will follow suit. While all our club content within the stadium will have an embedded BSL interpreter. At our win over Everton the previous week, two of our deaf supporters, Max and Christopher, appeared on our Breakdown Live matchday show to speak firsthand on the importance of the steps we're taking to make our stadium experience as accessible and inclusive as possible. Our latest signing, Jorginho, 
is also supporting this campaign, having learnt BSL during lockdown. Our Italian midfielder debuted his skills to supporters inside the stadium in a special big-screen appearance before the Bournemouth game. Disability Access Manager John Deister tells us about the club's journey to BSL integration. We've been trialling BSL in Emirates Stadium for about four or five games now, and we are the first club to have a pitch-side BSL interpreter, Tara, on match day, translating everything our presenter Nigel says. We have also embedded BSL into our stadium screen information videos. British Sign Language is the language of the deaf community, which has its own set of social beliefs, behaviours, art, history and values. People in the deaf community describe themselves as deaf with a capital D to express their pride in their deaf identity. BSL involves a combination of hand shapes and movements, lip patterns, facial expressions and shoulder movements. It has its own grammar and is structured in a completely different way from English. Thanks to the BSL Act which passed in 2022, BSL is now recognised as the language of England, Wales and Scotland in its own right. Our deaf supporters have been calling for this for a long time and we regularly see BSL interpreters at concerts now, so the demand is there. It is a fantastic step forward that we now have it at Emirates Stadium for match days too. We are pioneers in this space within football. Everton have already reached out to ask about our process to try and replicate it. It's great to see that competitive drive to be the best, which will only serve Arsenal's disabled fans positively. This week, March 13th to 19th, is Sign Language Awareness Week. Lionesses Achieve Schoolgirl Pledge What began as a conversation between Lotte Wuben Moy and Leah Williamson has now transformed into a government pledge that will inspire girls in sport for many years to come. On International Women's Day last week, the UK government said it will give all schoolgirls equal access to football following the Lionesses' open letter to former Prime Ministerial contenders Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. The letter, signed by all 23 players days after their triumph at Euro 22, voiced the squad's collective beliefs on how to ensure that boys and girls enjoy the same access to sport in schools. The legacy of the Lionesses' campaign means schools are now expected to provide a minimum of two hours of PE per week. England captain Williamson said, The success of the summer has inspired so many young girls to pursue their passion for football. We see it as our responsibility to open the doors for them to do so, and this announcement makes that possible. This is the legacy that we want to live much longer than us as a team. On behalf of all the Lioness players, we'd like to thank Lottie as a driving force behind the transformational change. Wuben Moy reflected on the achievement. By making football more accessible to millions of girls across the nation, we have opened a crucial door for the growth of women's football and women's sport as a whole. I'm proud to be part of something that will live on for generations to come. This is just the beginning. As it stands in the UK, only 67% of all schools and 41% of secondary schools offer football equally to girls in PE lessons and only 46% of schools provide the same extracurricular opportunities as boys.
A huge well done to Lottie, Leah and the Lionesses on a fantastic achievement. Ben's Big Day Congratulations to Ben White who scored his first goal for the Gunners in the 3-2 win against Bournemouth at our last match here at Emirates. The defenders' crucial strike which pulled us level at 2-2 was a fantastic volley from a Reese Nelson cross that was clawed out of his goal by Cherry's goalkeeper Neto. But goal line technology soon confirmed Ben was off the mark and the Gunners were one step closer to an amazing comeback. It was Ben's 70th appearance for the club. Tonight's game. A reminder that the away goals rule is no longer enforced in the Europa League. Therefore, tonight's match will feature extra time, 15 minutes each way, if there is any kind of draw tonight. If the scores are still level following extra time, a penalty shootout will take place. Quarter-final draw. The winner of tonight's tie will enter into the quarter-final draw which takes place at the House of European Football, Neon, Switzerland, tomorrow, Friday, March 17th, from midday UK time. As well as the quarter-final draw, the event will also feature the draw for the semi-finals and the final in Budapest on Wednesday, May 31st. Effectively, who will be chosen as the home team for administrative purposes? It's worth noting that the quarter-final is a free draw, so teams from the same country can be drawn against each other. Pole in position. Jakub Kiwio made his first team debut in the first leg of tonight's tie in Lisbon. The 23-year-old played 71 minutes alongside William Saliba, becoming the 897th player to feature for the Arsenal first team in the club's history. Jakub became the fourth player from Poland to represent the Gunners following Lukas Fabianski, Wojciech Szczesny and Christian Bielik. Notice board, totalizer £560. Happy 40th birthday tomorrow to Gigi, the first team men's travel manager from all your friends at the club. A warm Emirates welcome to Stuart and his nephew from Northern Ireland. Have a good night, lads. Arsenal remembers Daniel Lee McIntosh. A man of great strength, fought for justice to any length. Beat the odds to work for a top employer, from council estate to city lawyer. The biggest Arsenal fan, a loving family man, born and raised by an amazing mother, known to many as friend, mentor and brother. A man who many aspire to be, he leaves behind his legacy. To inspire, change and be your best. At 37, it's time for his soul to rest. So come on, Arsenal. Fulfill his final wish with a top of the table Premier League finish. May Sampson, a true Arsenal supporter of 50 years, who sadly passed away on January 19th, 2023. Edward Albert House, born January 22nd, 1929, sadly passed away on January 27th, 2023. Betty Lydon, a lifelong fan, always devoted. Betty loved nothing more than watching her dear Arsenal play. Her cries of come on Arsenal live fondly in her family's minds. Stephen Lartice died February 6th, 2023, aged 74. A local lad who was taught PE by Bob Wilson. He's now with his wife, Brenda, and will be greatly missed by his sons and grandkids. Bernard Charles Waterman February 28, 1931 to January 22, 2023. 
a lifelong fan, recalling his days at Highbury with attendances of up to 70,000. A season ticket and North Bank bondholder. He was delighted by Arsenal being top of the league. Rest in peace. Maurice Michener, sadly taken so young from his parents Mark and Amanda and young wife Kim. An avid Arsenal fan all his life, forever in our thoughts. R.I.P. Big Mo, North London will always be red. David Piper, a lifelong Arsenal fan, born and raised in Islington. He gifted me his 2003-04 Henri shirt when I was five. His last game was PSV at home. I hope this team goes all the way this season for him. David Albert Petz, lifelong North Londoner and proud Arsenal supporter, kicked his last football in December 2022, aged 83. Highbury End Terrace, an East Stand season ticket holder, before taking his place at Emirates, RIP. Paul Johnson, age 78, an avid supporter who travelled to away matches and held a gold season ticket, which he loved. He would have been over the moon with the success this season. Sadly missed by sister Diana and all who knew him. Colin Frank Brown, May 30th, 1934 to January 28th, 2023. A lifelong gooner who had amazing memories of Highbury. Loved by Elsie, Stephen, Alison, Tim and Sarah and all his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Massively missed but never forgotten. Ronald Nicholson. Passed January 16th, 2023, aged 88. Dad, granddad and great-granddad who, as a lifelong supporter, liked nothing better than taking his family to see Arsenal. Favourite player of all time, Ronnie Rook. Greatly missed by family, friends and especially sons Derek, Colin and daughter Sharon. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Crystal Palace, Premier League. Sunday, March 16th, kick-off 2pm. Tickets for this match have now sold out to Arsenal members. They are still available to Silver and Red members via the ticket exchange service up to 11am on Sunday. Arsenal vs Leeds United, Premier League, Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members via the ticket exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, April 1st. Arsenal vs Southampton, Premier League, Friday, April 21st, kick-off 8pm. This fixture could move to Sunday, April 23rd, kick-off 7pm, if Arsenal are involved in the Europa League the preceding Thursday. This fixture is also subject to Southampton's participation in the Emirates FA Cup semi-finals. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange service up until 5pm on Friday, April 21st. Away tickets, Liverpool vs Arsenal, Premier League, Anfield, Sunday, April 9th, kick-off 4.30pm. Tickets for this match sold out to Away Scheme, Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 30-plus away points. West Ham United vs Arsenal, Premier League, London Stadium, Sunday, April 16th, kick-off 2pm. Please visit arsenal.com for details of sales phases for this match. Sustainability. Sustainability.
Our man Moses. There are many men and women who work in our Arsenal Forest project in Bore, Kenya. Over 60 local people are employed in all. We'd like you to meet Moses Safari, our nursery night watchman. Moses is responsible for making sure the nursery, where we grow thousands of neem saplings ready to be planted on the site, is secure when the rest of the workers have gone home and are safely tucked up in bed. Moses ensures the nursery is safe from animals potentially getting into the area where they can do great damage to the plants and that there is generally nothing untoward going on at the site through the night. It can be a tiring job roaming the nursery in the small hours, but fortunately Moses is fit as a fiddle, and despite being 55, he still fancies himself as a William Saliba style cultured central defender. Moses likes to wear Arsenal attire. It is from one of our kit consignments sent out to Bore this season, in which we included an old training kit from the academy, and Moses' strip was actually worn for a season by current under 21 star Mauro Bandera, before being upcycled out in Bore. Last minute winner. Remember the helplessness and despair we felt when Bournemouth's second goal hit the back of the net at our last home match? Well, many of these emotions are prevalent whenever we talk about climate change, thinking about the scale of the impending environmental disaster. The size of the task seems too big, leaving individuals feeling overwhelmed. What can we do to stop the pollution, stop the waste, and stop the damage to our planet? But doubt and fear don't seem to exist within our team, as the stirring comeback against the cherries illustrated, and nor should they exist within us. There is a process, there is a pathway to change, and there must be belief and optimism that we will be able to take opportunities that can achieve our goal. If we can extend our Bournemouth analogy further, the fight back started with Thomas Partey's goal, the first result of keeping going and showing belief. Things hadn't gone our way, but we could still make good things happen. This could be a small change in our lives, taking a journey by bike rather than car, changing to a renewable energy tariff, putting rubbish into the correct bins, and using reusable water bottles. The second goal from Ben White gave everyone huge optimism that we could go on and win the match. In terms of the environment, this is akin to the recent announcement of the High Seas Treaty, placing 30% of our oceans under protection from overfishing and shipping, giving our oceans a chance to start to recover. Maybe all is not lost after all. Time is ticking by, both in the game and for our beloved planet, but still we try. Still we press forward, and still we look to make a difference. The winner from Reese Nelson was a long time coming, and just in the nick of time. The breathtaking, heart stopping moment wasn't just a product of one player. The team worked incredibly hard to create the opportunity to save the game, as we must all work hard together to save our home, our planet, and to win ultimately what will be much, much more than three points. 
We can all take great pride when we watch our team display the resilience, focus and unity to win games that seemed to be lost. We must carry those same principles embedded into us as the Arsenal family as we join together to save the planet. Net Zero Heroes You will notice in the programme this season that in every Young Gun interview we ask our academy players how they are thinking about living more sustainably. And all of them have mentioned something that they are now more considerate of in the environment. Goalkeeper Alexei Rojas has been featured on these pages before, following his decision to cycle into the training ground. And Alexei isn't the only carbon-conscious youngster in the squad. Fellow keeper Noah Cooper told us, If a journey is within walking distance, I will walk it. Centre-half Louis Brown says he is now using more public transport. And lastly, fellow defender Josh Nichols told us he had reduced the amount of Ubers I take so I reduce carbon emissions. Just a few examples of how our young players are travelling in the right direction. Burning Bridges In the programme there is a photograph of a Kenyan riding a motorbike that is utterly overloaded with produce. And people might think, great picture, as they smile at this typically resourceful Kenyan looking very precarious on said motorbike. But actually this isn't what we want to see around the tropics, as what he's carrying is a great deal of charcoal, which is an unsustainable way to use the trees in the region's forests, and has become more popular due to the increased difficulties of growing crops because of climate change. Fortunately, the Arsenal Forest Project creates lots of sustainable employment for the community of Boré, so helps them steer clear of charcoal. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. And also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player Feature Inspirational Carl Hine. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our young Estonian goalkeeper on how his rapid development has been down to the support of his parents, a hard-wired motivation to succeed, and the mentorship of former gunner and compatriot Mart Poom. A spring to become a top-level professional footballer when you are 9 or 10 years old is not particularly unusual. But the circumstances surrounding Carl Hine at that age meant the odds of that dream becoming a reality were heavily stacked against him. 
coming from a family with no history of football, attending a school where barely any of his friends played the sport, and growing up in a country that were ranked outside FIFA's top 100 teams, Carl's path to becoming a professional goalkeeper and then joining one of the biggest clubs in the world could hardly have been expected. A good job then, that Carl was something of a child prodigy. Indeed, he was so gifted at a young age that his first club, FC Tilgrid, on the outskirts of Tallinn, hired a goalkeeper coach purely to help fulfil his potential. He then made his senior debut for his next club, Nom United, at the age of just 15, before becoming a full international only three years later. His rapid rise in the sport thus far is down mainly, he says, to the unwavering support of his parents and his own ingrained self-motivation and determination. My family are my main inspiration, but also I'm inspired by football itself. The young goalkeeper begins. None of my family have ever played football before me, not even grandparents. I'm the first one. It started for me when my older brother, who's six years older, started to play football because his schoolmates played it. So he got into it, and then I started to play with him from a very young age. Then, when I was seven, at primary school, I started to go to training as well. I was invited to a local football club, and that's where it started. Carl's older brother, Eric, is also one of the reasons he went into goalkeeping. Not because he wanted to be like his older sibling, but because, as the junior Hein, he was more often than not on the receiving ends of practice shots in the garden. Ha <laughs> yes, to be fair, he is actually the complete opposite of me, Carl smiles. He's like 170 centimetres tall, very short compared to me. I was always tall for my age, and he would be blasting the ball at me in goal from a young age. That's how it started for me. Goalkeeper was always my main position, but when we were still young kids on a small pitch, I used to sometimes get bored and go outfield. And to be fair, I used to score a lot of goals. I just loved to have fun and shoot. I always wanted to be involved and to decide the games. But football was not the main sport in Estonia where I was born, he adds. In my school, for some reason, there weren't many kids playing football. I was one of the only ones. That was annoying because I had nobody to play with. They were playing volleyball, maybe, but I dragged my best mate into football training and then he started to play with me. Football started to become more popular in Estonia from about 2011 when we reached the playoffs for the Euros. That was a big thing for us because we were a very young country. Now you can see how it's increasing. Carl soon took his participation in the sport to the next level, joining his local club FC Tigrid, Tigers, and his parents sacrificed plenty, showing him all the support he needed to get started in the sport. Yes, very much, but there was never pressure from them, he says. It was completely up to me. I wanted to play football, I love football, and they were always there supporting, especially my mum, who used to take me every weekend when we had little tournaments and every evening when we used to go to training. I just can't thank her enough for that. I've especially started to realise since I came here to England how much they actually did for me. I know not all parents would sacrifice their time to make sure their kid gets to training and all that. So literally, since I started to play football until I came to England, she was always there for me. I had good coaches too, 
but I was always crazy about football, so I didn't need any encouraging. In fact, I remember in my first club, when we were still very young, about eight or nine, they actually organised a proper goalkeeper coach to do training with me, because they didn't have one before. Madis Rajando was his name, and I remember him very well. He was the first proper, let's say professional coach, and for me, at such a young age, to have a goalkeeper coach, that was really special. It really motivated me. I still speak to him to this day. You have to remember the ones who have been really supportive. The full-time coaching only intensified Carl's laser-like focus on becoming a professional footballer that was entrenched from a young age. It was soon time to move on and join Estonian league club side FC Nom, a club with a reputation for enhancing young talent. I always wanted to play because I was always crazy for football, he says. Even at my small club, FC Tigers, when we were still playing on small pitches, already at that time my vision was to be a professional. I just loved the game so much and I wanted nothing more than to be a top-level footballer myself. But then obviously, moving to Nom was a big step towards that. It was a massive step, going to play on a full-size pitch with older players. Expectations started to rise. I went into competition, like a youth league format that's played in Estonia. Things got really competitive, and I was definitely a step up in my career. But at that time, I was already certain what I wanted to do. It was soon apparent that Carl's talent matched his ambition. To say he developed quickly is an understatement. I made the transition to men's football at 15, he reveals. At about 14 or 15, I started to train with the first team at Nom United. So, how did he deal with moving into that environment? Was it intimidating to be in a first team dressing room? Well, it was different, he grins. It was hard, but I think I always backed my abilities, you know? I knew I was good enough to make the next step. I think I was 16, or maybe 15 actually, when I made my debut. I just always backed myself. I was always comfortable with my abilities, and I knew I could make the next step up. It was time to do that, because at that stage I was already playing for the under-17 national team, and I realised I could make the next step. Not long after that NOM United debut, at the start of 2018, he was on his way to the Arsenal Academy. He joined that summer and signed pro forms the following year at the age of 17. The club's only previous Estonian player, fellow goalkeeper Mart Poom, played a big part in the move, as Carl explains. He was my coach at NOM United and still coaches me at national level and at NOM United. I've known him a long time, he says. One of the reasons I moved to NOM was to get a connection with him. We had the thought that he would help me at that time to build up my career, and that's exactly what he did. He's a big inspiration for me since I was 13 and started training with him. Since then, he's been my mentor. He was very much involved when I moved to Arsenal. I asked him a lot about the club and for his opinion, and he had nothing but good words about Arsenal. He said it's very much like a family club, a big club, legendary club. And when I came on trial here, I really felt good here. In fact, I came here on trial with him. I've got a picture of us together. He helped organise the trial and I was very, very thankful to him. He was an incredible player and goalkeeper. He's still so dedicated 
and his work ethic is incredible. Incredible. You wouldn't believe it. 7% body fat. Earlier this season, Carl followed in Mark's footsteps, becoming our second Estonian when he made his first team debut in a Carabao Cup game against Brighton at the Emirates. He had already emulated his mentor by representing his club at senior level. Poom remains his country's most capped goalkeeper of all time with 120, and Carl is already up to 18 caps. His debut came back in 2020. That's a very fresh memory for me, he grins. I was 18 during the 2020-21 season, after the first coronavirus lockdown break. It was the September national team break, and before that we had won the FA Cup. So, for six months, I hadn't played a minute of football, no actual game time, and then I was called into the first team. The first-choice goalkeeper got injured, and I was told I would play on my way to the airport. I realised it was my chance, at 18 years old, to sing the anthem. It was an empty stadium, but you still hear the anthem. You sing it and you realise that's the dream. I'm an international. It's just another landmark that Carl, who doesn't turn 21 until next month, has taken in his stride. Now in his fifth season at the club and officially part of the first-team squad, the keeper is very much at home in his surroundings. He even has a detectable London twang to his accent. In a sense, he's grown up at the club but the pride he still has in being here is evident. It was so exciting for my whole family when I joined, he beams. Very exciting, as a young Estonian boy, to go into a top club in Europe. It was surreal, you know. My parents had always, always backed me, and we were all so happy to go to such a big club from Estonia. Just surreal. I had never been to England before, so it was a massive change of culture, city, everything. I can't lie, it was difficult at first. It was difficult to leave home. That moment when you realise, oh my God, I'm 16 and I'm not going to be at home anymore. But when I had a bit of homesickness coming, I always said to myself, come on Carl, you're at Arsenal now. It doesn't get better than that. It was what I wanted, what I dreamed of, so it never affected me. I probably had homesickness for a few months when I was first here, but then that realisation that this is my dream to be here, so just crack on. That always motivated me even more. My parents come over every now and then, but I'm completely settled here now. I have my own life here, my own apartment and all that, so I'm very settled now, very happy. I feel very natural to be here in London now. I know the system, how things work in the club and the city. I'm very at home. Especially, I'm enjoying the football and everything right now. Community Voice Project Gunners for Change Established 2022-23 to Participants since starting 90+. Sessions across Islington, Camden and Hackney. Available to Every player that wants to contribute or support community events. More information, bmatavu at arsenal.co.uk The Gunners for Change project is an Arsenal in the Community initiative launched this season to help inspire Arsenal Academy players to become more involved in the club's community projects. 
The initiative also helps to drive community engagement with the men's and women's first teams who have shown great commitment in supporting our initiatives. The initiative is overseen by the department's club link officer, Brian Matavu, whose role is to coordinate player engagement with Arsenal in the community programmes. This season has seen one particular player show continuous commitment to Arsenal in the community initiatives, and that's goalkeeper Caleb Marquis. The American joined from HP Koga in July 2022, but immediately reached out to us showcasing her interest in community involvement. Kaylin gave us her thoughts on what working with the community team has meant to her. When I joined in the summer, I immediately wanted to build a connection with the club and understand it as a whole, so I thought it would be one of the best ways to get to know what Arsenal is about and the impact it has had on the community over the last 30 years. My experience with Arsenal in the community so far has allowed me to see the impact that we have on regular people within the areas of Islington, Camden and Hackney. It's taught me how we are so much more than just a football club. It's been overwhelming to see how much Arsenal employees do across the areas of football development, social inclusion, health and well-being and education and employment. One of my favourite parts so far was when I visited the Century Room during the Arsenal vs FC Zurich game at Emirates Stadium. I was so impressed because I never knew the stadium had such a facility available for people with access requirements to use. It's amazing to see how the club allows an inclusive experience for all. It's incredible. I believe that sport can be a force for good, and to see that in action at Arsenal has been amazing. The difference it has made to people's lives by giving people opportunities and hope is what Arsenal is all about. It's good for everyone to get in touch with their community, but being a first-team player, there's an even bigger responsibility because we are role models to a lot of people. Supporting community engagement can spread a positive message or bring awareness of initiatives that people may not have heard about. Finally, it's a great way to connect with the local people, especially for someone like me, who is not from England. Club Link Officer Brian added, Kellen has shown an outstanding commitment to engaging with our community initiatives. She is a fantastic example of how players can have a profound impact in their local communities. There are three photographs with this report. The two small ones have the caption, Kellen drops into the hub. The larger one has the caption, The keeper has met lots of young supporters through Arsenal in the community. Foundation Voice The Arsenal Foundation works with Islington Giving and the Brandon Centre on a project to help support young people with mental health issues by offering a counselling service at the Arsenal Hub. Project clinician Geoffrey Barrage discusses the positive impact on young people's mental health. I've been at the Brandon Centre for 30 years, and between 1992 and 2018, I was the director of the centre. I've since continued to work in a clinical capacity in mental health on Brandon Connect and the Young People's Counselling Service in partnership with Arsenal in the Community at the Arsenal Hub. 
The Brand and Connect service is vital in supporting young people's mental health. We found that young men are less likely than young women with similar problems to seek help from and engage with mental health services. The primary problem in nearly all cases presented in this part of the project has been social anxiety. The persistent, intense and chronic fear of being judged by others and of being embarrassed or humiliated by their own actions. Their fear can be so severe that it interferes with work, school or other activities. The likelihood of young men not engaging with mental health services is often increased when they suffer from chronic social anxiety. Some of the young people attending Arsenal in the community programmes were struggling with emotional and behaviour problems, but were not accessing local mental health services, perhaps due to stigma and lengthy waiting times. Our sessions at the Hub have become an extension of the Brand and Connect service. Our approach is flexible and includes outreach, behavioural experiments, CBT and psychotherapy. Behavioural experiments are an evidence-based intervention for tackling social anxiety. The aim is for people to develop confidence and a sense of achievement when helped to engage in the world outside the home and thereby overcome their anxieties. Many young people have faced emotional and mental health challenges since COVID. Typically they're stuck at home and many have dropped out of education. They often have sleeping problems. They sleep most of the day and are up at night playing games or on social media. Typically they live with their mother, with or without siblings and either they don't have contact with their father, or the quality of contact is poor. In other words, they may not have positive male role models. In fact, these issues are no different post-pandemic, except that repeated lockdowns exacerbated and reinforced referred young men's negative strategies for managing social anxiety. Referrals from Arsenal in the community have also included functioning individuals who are struggling with anxiety, that has affected their participation in Arsenal in the Community programmes. Either way, these people need help. Support from Islington Giving, combined with funding from the Arsenal Foundation, has allowed long-term work that is scarce in NHS mental health services, but is needed to help many young people with chronic social anxiety, generalised anxiety or depression. The Brandon Centre and Islington Giving help young people with mental health issues such as anxiety via sessions at the Arsenal Hub. For more on Islington Giving's mental health appeal, visit islingtongiving.org.uk forward slash campaign forward slash Islington hyphen mental hyphen health hyphen appeal. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Tonight, we're looking at four more, including a real I-was-there moment from 1994. Jovinho, Wigan Athletic nil, Arsenal 4, December 2nd, 2011. AFC Premier League goals in the 61st minute, 17. Ultimately, this was a tap-in for Ivorian forward Gervinho, but it's included on the list for the incredible build-up. The goal came at the end of a 33-pass move. In fact, the move began with Gervinho, when he picked up possession inside his own half and played a short pass to Laurent Koscielny. Arsenal then kept the ball for more than a minute, pulling the hosts out of position 
and switching the play back and forth. It was a demonstration of control and keep ball against a side already 2-0 down. Ten of the 11 players were involved in the move, and when the ball came out to Jovino again on the right, the tempo picked up. Mikel Arteta fired a ball into Robin Van Persie outside the area, who played a quick 1-2 with Alex Song. Van Persie's shot was parried, but there was Jovino to tuck home right-footed. It was the longest passing move preceding a goal all season in the Premier League and has only recently been surpassed as an Arsenal record by a 35-pass move against Newcastle in 2020. Carl Jenkinson, Norwich City nil, Arsenal 2, May 11, 2014. AFC Premier League goals in the 62nd minute, 20. A moment that Carl Jenkinson, and indeed the whole Jenkinson family, will never forget. When the lifelong Arsenal fan joined from Charlton in July 2011, it was already a dream come true. But what he really wanted was to score and celebrate in the famous red and white. As a dependable right-back, goal-scoring opportunities were rare. But finally, on his 57th appearance, it came. It was scruffy, but he didn't care at all. Kieran Gibbs' low cross was aimed at Lukas Podolski, but the German could only scuff the ball into the feet of Jenko. The defender kept his call just outside the six-yard box and stabbed into the bottom corner. The joy on his face was evident as he ran towards the visiting supporters at Carrow Road, arms outstretched. As a kid, I'm an Arsenal fan, he said after the game. I've scored that goal 100 times in my garden and celebrated like I'm celebrating in front of the fans. What can I say? I've done it for real now and it's the best feeling in the world. It remains the only goal he ever scored for his beloved club and one that will always have a special place in the heart of his fellow Gooners. Gabriel Martinelli, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2, January 21st, 2020. AFC Premier League goals in the 63rd minute, 21. The run, the finish and the celebration. Three ingredients that make this a truly iconic goal. Down to 10 men and 1-0 behind, Gabriel Martinelli equalised with a fantastic solo effort. We were defending a corner when the Brazilian raced on to Shakrodan Mustafi's headed clearance. Then the afterburners went on. With most of the pitch between him and the Chelsea goal, he put his head down and sprinted. N'Golo Kante was the man holding back for the counter-attack on the halfway line, but Martinelli took full advantage of his slip to speed past him. Chelsea had two defenders in pursuit, but the 18-year-old would not be caught. Into the area he ran, then he had the composure to slip the ball right-footed into the bottom corner. It was right in front of the visiting fans, and he soaked up their adulation, standing with folded arms. This goal would later be voted Arsenal's goal of the season. John Jensen, Arsenal 1, Queen's Park Rangers 3, December 31st, 1994. AFC Premier League goals in the 64th minute, 24. The fact that traders around Highbury were doing a roaring business in t-shirts emblazoned with I was there when John Jensen scored should tell you all about how highly this goal was anticipated among the fan base. Danish midfielder Jensen had joined us in the summer of 1992, fresh from scoring in his country's 2-0 win over Germany in the European Championship final but it was soon evident that George Graham hadn't bolstered his squad with a goalscorer. 
he remained goalless in each of his first two seasons in North London from 80 appearances, and it wasn't until halfway through his third season, just two games shy of a century for the club, that the Dane troubled the scorers. And what a goal it was, arcing past Tony Roberts into the top corner in front of the North Bank. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to stop us losing the New Year's Eve fixture, but it did provide an unforgettable memory for the 32,393 in attendance that day. Young Gun, Bino Sosa. The Basics, born Lisbon, Portugal, 19th of January 2005. Joined Arsenal January 2022. Height and weight. 5 feet 11 inches, 73 kilograms. Position, fullback. School, Sandwell Academy, Birmingham. Squad number, 96. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace, 70. Dribbling, 75. Shooting, 80. Defending, 85. Physical, 70. Interview by Brian Matavu. Growing up in Portugal, It's no surprise that my footballing hero was Cristiano Ronaldo. He's for sure one of the best ever players to come out of Portugal. I'm also very fond of Neymar. Before I was a left-back, I was a left-winger, and I was in awe of the way they played football. Their skills were mesmerising, and they expressed themselves in a joyful way. Portuguese football has had a big influence on my career so far, as I'm a sporting Lisbon fan. Many people might not know, but in recent history, they've produced some very good players such as Cristiano Ronaldo, Cedric Suarez, Nani and Coresma from the top of my head. It's also great seeing young players like Marcus Edwards thriving in Portugal, and it shows there are pathways abroad for players to be successful there. I'm giving everything I can to be a success here at Arsenal, and I was thrilled to be involved in pre-season tours this season. Being in and around the first team on these tours has been such an eye-opener. It's the little things like seeing how they interact, how they go about rehab, and even how they sleep. All these little habits are important if you want to be a model professional, but it's also a great way to evaluate how close you are to being at that level. The main difference between playing at under-18s, under-21s and the first team is the tempo. The higher up you go, there are little fine margins you cannot get away with as you go up the age groups. However, one thing I'm big on is the mindset. No matter what age group I'm playing at, I always go in with the right mentality to do my job and play to the best of my ability. I've been on two tours with Arsenal so far. I went to Germany in pre-season and I went to Dubai in the winter. It was so crazy how I ended up going because I initially had a lot of time off with injury but when I came back I scored two goals in four games for the under-21s and I was playing very well. It was always at the back of my mind to potentially go but I never thought it would be possible. But to my surprise... Mikael came up to me and told me I would be joining the pre-season camp in Germany. My first reaction was one of shock, but I was also very excited. When you're with the first team, you just feel like a professional as you're flying first class, you stay in the best hotels, 
and you're in that lifestyle of an elite sports person. You create memories for life that you look back on, and the fact I was able to experience it with others in the academy was a great feeling, because we have all worked so hard to get to this point. Tours are also great fun. We had a table tennis tournament, and I played in a team with Gabriel Jesus, which was very enjoyable. Given my Portuguese roots, I am able to speak to all three Gabriels, Cedric, and also the Spanish-speaking players too, which makes it easier to build relationships and get to know them on a more personal level. It's surreal at first, because it's hard to imagine that these top players, who are known worldwide by so many people, know me on a first-name basis. I've built a particularly strong relationship with Cedric. We talk quite regularly, even while he is on loan, and he has helped me a lot. He has always shown a lot of belief in me and sees the potential that I have. He's also very good at table tennis. When we were in Germany, he beat me very comfortably. Seeing guys like Greece, Emil, Bacayo and Eddie flourishing for the first team always inspires us because it's an example of a club that believes in its youth players and shows us that if we work hard and take our opportunities, we can become consistent first-team players for Arsenal. For now, the focus in the academy is on the FA Youth Cup. Our journey to the semi-finals has been a special and crazy ride so far. This team has a different kind of spirit, and we never know when we're beaten. We've come from behind the last two rounds, and we have a real togetherness. Playing at Emirates Stadium against Cambridge United in the quarter-final was an unbelievable feeling. It's every Arsenal fan's dream to play on the hallowed turf, but it's everything before that too. Being in the actual first-team changing rooms, hearing your name on the PA, and also hearing fans support us and cheer our goals. I relish those moments, and it motivates me to keep working hard and strive to play there on a consistent basis. Winning the FA Youth Cup would mean the world to us as a group. Everyone knows the importance of the competition, and we are going to give 1,000% in our upcoming semi-final. Also, when I was at West Brom before I joined Arsenal, we got to the FA Youth Cup semi-final in 2021, but we lost to Aston Villa, and it hurt to lose at that stage. I hope I can go a step further this time. Other than winning the FA Youth Cup, one of my goals is to make another appearance on the first-team bench this season. I was on the bench against Brentford, where we won 3-0, and Ethan and Wanneri made his debut. Although I didn't get on, the whole experience was amazing, and I felt privileged to be one of the 18 players in line to play for Arsenal Football Club that day. My name was on the official Premier League team sheet. Millions upon millions of people dream of that moment, and to know that I was on the cusp drives me every day. It was also a proud moment for my family, and there's no better feeling for me than making my family proud because I know how much they have done for me. I love my family, my family on the pitch, but also my family at home. I do it all for them. The past. Favourite Arsenal player of all time, Thierry Henry. Earliest Arsenal memory. Watching Jack Wilshire versus Barcelona. Favourite goal I've ever scored. At a tournament in Portugal, a free kick from the halfway line. 
a football memory that makes me smile. Signing for Arsenal with all my family there. Moment I realised I could make it. I went on pre-season tour with the first team. One piece of advice I would give to my younger self. It's okay to make mistakes. Best subject in school, P.E. First player who made me fall in love with football, Cristiano Ronaldo. My position growing up, left wing. The coach who has impacted my game most, Simon Pierre. My most clutch moment so far, getting an assist for a last-minute winner in the Youth Cup quarter-final. The present, favourite rising baller, Amario Crozier Duberry. My best attribute on the field, athleticism. Favourite current Arsenal player, Bakayo Saka. Favourite YouTuber, Duke Dennis. Hardest working teammate, Zach Orr. Most skillful teammate, Joel Idaho. Favourite training drill, small-sided games. Favourite music artist, Rod Wave. Strong young gunners are sustainable gunners. Tell us one thing you're doing to help the environment. I do the recycling at my host family's home. The future? A player who could go all the way. Miles Lewis Kelly. If I could play with anyone, Neymar Jr. I will be happy with my career if I win a Premier League trophy. I want to make a difference by working hard for the team. One thing I want to add to my game, goals. If I could get a degree in anything, languages. I would be a better player if I worked more on my physicality. If I could play in any other country, Portugal. One person I want to meet, Roberto Carlos. One trophy I would love to win, World Cup. My dream first team squad number 33. Arsenal women. Conti Cup winners. We won a record-extending sixth Continental League Cup by coming from a goal down to beat Chelsea 3-1 in the final at Selhurst Park on March the 5th. The Gunners got off to the worst possible start when Chelsea went ahead in just the third minute. The defence failed to clear their lines and the Blues worked their ball out left to Guru Rayton, whose probing cross found the head of Sam Kerr at the far post. There was almost a repeat moments later when Wrighton broke clear on the counter, but this time Kerr's header was straight at Manuela Zinsberger. Arsenal responded by forcing two successive corners, although both were claimed by Anne Catherine Berger, and Chelsea were able to scramble clear a third after Caitlin Ford had gone dangerously close. The pressure was building, and the equaliser came just after the quarter-hour mark. The ever-alert Kim Little took a quick free kick, and Frieda Manham's shot deflected into the path of Stina Blackstenius, who made no mistake in slotting the ball past Berger. Jonas Eideval's side built on that and went ahead when Little scored from the spot on 24 minutes after Sophie Ingle brought McCabe down in the box. 
It was a fine turnaround, and the scoreline could have been even better when Berger made a last-ditch save from a Blackstenius header, and the Swedish striker then had a goal ruled out for offside. Still, the Gunners dominated, to the point where Chelsea boss Emma Hayes made a change before half-time by bringing on centre-back Kadesha Buchanan for midfielder Jelena Kankoviv. The Blues began to see more of the ball, with Steph Cately clearing another deep rate and cross, only for the Gunners to make it 3-1 deep into the first half stoppage time, when Neve Charles turned Cately's corner into her own net. Eideval's team picked up where they left off after the break, with Ford's shot deflecting wide off Millie Bright after some fine interplay with Cately although Erin Cuthbert went close at the other end as her shot went just wide of Zinsberger's left-hand post. Chelsea began to establish a foothold in the game as Lauren James fired over, yet it was nearly 4-1 when substitute Victoria Pelova forced a save with her first touch of the game on 58 minutes and the Gunners were denied what looked like a clear penalty when Buchanan brought down Ford inside the area. The Blues advanced again and Melanie Lupoles drew a sharp save from Zinsberger down low to her left. But into the final ten minutes, the Gunners looked increasingly confident. Chelsea made one final push as Lupoles hit the crossbar with a lob that Zinsberger had covered. And we withstood the pressure during the five minutes of injury time to lift our first trophy since winning the Women's Super League in 2018-19. Back on track in the League 2. The Gunners got back to winning ways in the Women's Super League with successive home victories over Liverpool and Reading last week. First up, we hosted the Reds just three days after lifting the Continental Cup and eased to a 2-0 win thanks to first-half goals from Stina Blackstenius and Caitlin Ford. Leah Williamson had a goal ruled out for offside on 24 minutes, but soon after that our Swedish striker turned and lashed a shot past Rachel Laws, and moments later Ford made it 2-0 by heading home from close range after Laws could only parry another fierce shot from Blackstenius. Then, last Sunday, Arsenal thumped Reading 4-0 at Meadow Park to move three points behind the two Manchester clubs in the Women's Super League, but with a game in hand over them both. Kim Little opened the scoring from the spot in just the fourth minute, and the Gunners utterly dominated without finding the net again, until Frieda Manham tucked home Ford's cross on 44 minutes. Ex-gunner Emma Mukandi turned across into her own net just after the restart and Williamson completed the scoring with her first goal for a year by firing in at the far post after a Blackstenia shot was spilled. Fixture change Our final Women's Super League game of the season, at home to Aston Villa, will now take place on Saturday, May 27th, with kick-off at 3pm. The FA have moved the final day fixtures forward by one day to avoid clashing with the climax of the Premier League season on May 28th. It's Bayern Munich up next. We continue our Champions League journey and return to Emirates Stadium later this month when we take on German giants Bayern Munich in a massive quarter-final clash. 
The home leg will be played on Wednesday, March 29th at Emirates Stadium, with the away leg taking place one week earlier at the Allianz Arena. We've sold more than 10,000 tickets already, and we'd love to see you there as we bid to win the trophy we lifted in 2007 again. There's a QR code in the programme for you to scan to purchase tickets for Arsenal women. Visitors. Sporting CP. Sporting in Europa League stroke UEFA Cup. Games 187. Wins 91. Losses 57. Best place. UEFA Cup Final 2005. Sporting 1. CSKA Moscow 3. Seasons in the competition. 34. Most appearances. Rui Patricio. 59. Polga. 47. Leedson. 38. Most goals, Leedson, 19, Fernandez 12, Cadete, 11. One of the fabled big three of Portuguese club football, alongside Lisbon rivals Benfica and northern powerhouse FC Porto, Sporting Club to Portugal, or Sporting CP for short, but never Sporting Lisbon, at least not in their native land, are regular competitors on the continental scene this being their 62nd season in major European competition. They have won just one trophy, the 1964 Cup Winners' Cup, more recently losing the 2004-05 UEFA Cup Final 3-1 to CSKA Moscow, despite the advantage of playing it at their own Estadio Jose Alvalde. League champions 19 times, their most recent success came two seasons ago in current manager Ruben Amorim's first full campaign. Sporting were unable to defend their trophy last term, finishing runners-up to Porto while also reaching the Champions League knockout phase for the first time in 13 years. Although it proved a forgettable experience as they lost the home leg against Manchester City 5-0 before a goalless draw in the return proved academic. Osleois, the Lions, were back in the Champions League this term and began by beating Eintracht Frankfurt 3-0 away and, with two late goals, Tottenham 2-0 at home. But two defeats to Marseille pegged them back and after drawing 1-1 at Spurs, they lost 2-1 at home to Frankfurt, which would have been the end of their European campaign but for a last gasp winner from Pierre-Emile Holberg in Marseille that enabled Sporting to pip the French side to third place. This is Sporting's 10th participation in the Europa League proper and 4th in the round of 16. They reached this stage by knocking out Danish side FC Midtjylland in last month's playoff, a 1-1 home draw followed by a 4-0 away win. The Lisbon side's best Europa League campaign was in 2011-12 when they reached the semi-finals knocking out Manchester City en route. Remarkably, their elimination by City last season was the first time they had ever lost a two-legged UEFA tie against an English club, the first eight having all ended in aggregate success. Sporting's domestic season has been disappointing, with an early exit in the Portuguese Cup, a 2-0 loss to Porto in the final of the League Cup, a competition Sporting had won four times in five years, 
and Benfica seemingly uncatchable at the top of the Primera Liga. Aside from this tie, their only remaining ambition is to finish in the top three and re-qualify for the Champions League. The Boss, Ruben Amorim, Manager, born 27th of January 1985, Lisbon, Portugal. Previously, Casa Pia, 2018-19, stroke Braga, 2019-20. stroke When he led Sporting to their first Portuguese league title in 19 years, two seasons ago, Ruben Amorim not only became a hugely popular figure at the Lisbon club, but also established a reputation as one of Europe's most promising young coaches. Nearly two years later, the man who won titles and cups galore as a midfielder with arch-rivals Benfica, and also attended two World Cups with Portugal, is still at Sporting, having recently led the side to a 100th victory in just 144 matches since he took over in March 2020, following less than three months in charge of Braga. Number 1. Between the Posts Antonio Adam, Goalkeeper Born Madrid, Spain, 13th of May 1987 Previously, Real Madrid, Cagliari, Real Betis, Atletico Madrid Sporting's first choice goalkeeper over the past three seasons, the 35-year-old Spaniard has started eight of the team's nine European games this term. The only one he missed being through suspension after he was sent off on a forgettable evening in Marseille. A European under-19 champion with Spain in 2006, he started out at Real Madrid but made his name at Real Betis before playing a starring role in Sporting's 2020-21 league title triumph on his debut season in Lisbon. With captain Sebastian Coates suspended, he could wear the armband this evening. Number 25. The Rising Star. Gonzalo Inácio. Defender. Born Almada, Portugal, 25th of August 2001. Previously, none. The 21-year-old centre-back scored the first European goal of his career to make it 1-1 in last week's first leg with a header from a corner. A product of the Sporting Academy, which he joined at 11, he has represented Portugal at youth and under-21 level and has been touted for senior recognition in the near future. A key performer in defence over the past couple of years, he was the only player who featured from start to finish in all six of Sporting's Champions League group stage games earlier this season. Number 19. The former gunner, Hector Bellerin. Defender. Born Barcelona, Spain, 19th of March 1995. Previously, Arsenal, Watford, Lone. Real Betis, Lone. Barcelona. Having joined Sporting on loan from Barcelona in January, Hector will make a welcome return to Emirates Stadium tonight, either on or off the pitch. His inclusion questionable after missing the first leg through injury. The charismatic right-back joined Arsenal as a 16-year-old from Barca in July 2011, going on to make 239 first-team appearances and score nine goals for the Gunners and helping the club win the FA Cup three times. He returned to his hometown club last summer after spending the 2021-22 season on loan at Real Betis, where he also lifted the Spanish Cup. Number 10. The former Spur. Marcus Edwards, forward. 
Bourne, Enfield, 3rd of December 1998. Previously, Tottenham, Norwich, loan, Excelsior, loan, Vittoria Guimares. A revelation in this season's Champions League group stage, Englishman Marcus started all six of Sporting's group games, scoring key goals away to both Eintracht Frankfurt and Tottenham, the club where he started his career before moving to Portugal in 2019. An England youth international at five age groups, the diminutive skilful left footer had two and a half years at Vitoria Guimares before joining Sporting in January 2022. Opening the scoring for his former club here against Arsenal in a 3-2 Europa League group stage defeat in 2019. Number 15. The Anchorman. Manuel Ugarte. Midfielder. Born Montevideo, Uruguay. 11th of April 2001. Previously, Phoenix, Famalicão. An ever-present starter for sporting in their European campaign, right until his suspension from last week's first leg. The 21-year-old Uruguay international has also been the main man in central midfield for Ruben Amorim's side in the Primera Liga, performing in the role once filled by current Fulham player Jao Palhina. He joined Sporting on a five-year contract in August 2021 after an impressive half-season at fellow Liga side Famaliaccio. First capped by Uruguay shortly after joining Sporting, he was an unused member of their squad at the Qatar World Cup. Number 28. The Danger Man. Pedro Gonçalves. Midfielder. Born Vidago, Portugal. 28th of June 1998. Previously, Wolves. Famaliaccio. Barely used during a two-year spell at Wolves, his first professional club, the man who goes under the nickname of Pote has developed into one of the main attractions of the Portuguese Primera Liga. He was certainly one to watch when Sporting won the title two seasons ago, contributing 23 goals to become the league's top scorer as well as its official best player. Injuries have subsequently stunted his progress, but at 24, the skillful sharpshooter remains arguably Sporting's most prized asset. Number 17. The Enigma. Francisco Trinchao. Winger. Born. Viana del Castelo, Portugal. 29th of December 1999. Previously, Braga, Barcelona, Wolves, Lone. Another former member of the Portuguese clan at Molyneux. Mercurial winger Francesco spent the whole of last season on loan at Wolves from Barcelona where he scored just three goals in 30 games and he is currently playing the same role at Sporting, where his output has been more productive, including Champions League goals away to Eintracht Frankfurt and Marseille. Pacey and gifted, the former Braga player has been capped at every age level by Portugal, winning the European Under-19 title in 2018, as well as seven senior caps. Number 20. The season striker, Paulinho, forward. Born, Barcelos, Portugal, 9th of November 1992. Previously, Santa Maria, Trofense, Gil Vicente, Braga. The scorer of Sporting's second goal against Arsenal last week, Paulinho made his name in Portugal's second tier for Gil Vicente, 
before moving in 2017 to join Braga, where he scored 38 goals in exactly 100 Primera Liga appearances, plus another 12 in Europe, including strikes against Wolves and Leicester. The 30-year-old joined Sporting two years ago and has made his mark with the Lions, scoring 14 goals in 2021-22. stroke A tally he looks well on course to beat this term. His first European goal in 2022-23, stroke having been the late winner at home to Spurs in the Champions League. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images The 2-2 draw in Lisbon last week showed sporting at their best. A cohesive, dynamic side featuring lots of forward running from defence and midfield. They could easily have brought a lead to the Emirates had Paulinho not blazed over when presented with a fairly straightforward one-on-one chance at 2-1 up. Sporting's main problem in Lisbon was their defending of set-pieces, as evidenced by William Saliba's opener. But the performance of their defenders was otherwise impressive, particularly in possession. Dutchman Jeremiah St. Just made a number of sudden overlapping bursts from the right of defence, while left-sided Goncalo Inatio proved capable of using his left foot for good balls over the top and long-range shots. He also headed home Sporting's first goal. Meanwhile, captain Sebastian Coates often steps forward to become a midfielder when goalkeeper Adan is playing out from the back. Sporting have undergone change on their right flank recently after the departure of wing-back Pedro Porro to Tottenham. They brought in a familiar face, Hector Bellerin, as his replacement, although the former Arsenal man missed the reverse game through injury. Ricardo Escayo is an energetic, hard-working replacement. On the left, Mateus Rice started as wing-back, although he's more regularly played in the back three this season. Nuno Santos is a considerably more attack-minded alternative, evidenced by the fact he wears the number 11 shirt. There is likely to be a significant change in the centre of the pitch. The outstanding holding midfielder Manuel Ugarte was suspended last week, but will return to the side alongside the neat, unfussy Hindamasa Morita, who was unfortunate to deflect Granit Xhaka's pass into his own goal, leaving the tie all square. This is likely to provide Sporting with extra protection in front of the defence, and will also free up Pedro Gonçalves to push forward into a more attack-minded position. He surprised Arsenal in the opening stages by running in behind onto a long ball from Inacio, and will be more comfortable operating in one of the inside forward roles. He's Sporting's top league goalscorer this season, and joint top assister. That means one of last week's front three will probably miss out. Enfield-born Marcus Edwards scored away against his former club Tottenham earlier in the competition and is generally fielded in an inside right position, cutting inside and shooting with his favoured left foot. Francisco Trincao, who was at Wolves last season, is a quick winger, also capable of receiving passes in central positions on the turn. Paulinho led the line last week, scoring Sporting second, but also missing that chance to give Sporting a commanding lead. He hasn't always been consistent in front of goal this season. Manager Ruben Amorim used Edwards as his most advanced forward in four of Sporting's six Champions League group games earlier this season, 
and he might opt for something similar here as part of a counter-attacking approach. Academy Excellence Sporting could make a claim for having the most successful academy in European football. Two Ballon d'Or winners were academy products, Luis Figo and Cristiano Ronaldo. And in Portugal's victorious Euro 2016 campaign, 10 of the 14 players involved in the final against France had started their careers with sporting. Match Action Premier League Saturday, March 4th, 2023 3pm Emirates Stadium Arsenal 3 Bournemouth 2 Timeline First minute Billing gives Bournemouth the lead after just 9 seconds 57th minute Senesi heads in from a corner to double the lead 62 Party latches onto Smithrow's header to pull one back 70 White scores his first Gunners goal to level 90. Nelson arrows a left foot shot into the top corner from the edge of the box. Reese Nelson. It dropped on my right. I wanted to hit it with my laces on my right, but I saw the defender coming out, so I decided to shift it onto my left and then just had to hit through it, aim for the top bin, something like that. Just happy it went in. Facts. This was the first Premier League game we have won from 2-0 down since beating Tottenham 5-2 in February 2012. Reese Nelson's winner, 96 minutes 57, was our second fastest winner on record since 2006-07 in the Premier League after Alexis Sanchez's penalty against Burnley in January 2017, 97 minutes 14 seconds. Philip Billing's opener for Bournemouth was scored in 9.11 seconds the second fastest goal scored in Premier League history after Shane Long for Southampton versus Watford in April 2019, 7.69 seconds. Match action. Sporting Lisbon versus Arsenal. Sporting Lisbon 2, Arsenal 2. Sporting Lisbon scorers, Inaccio. 34th minute. Paulinho, 55th minute. Arsenal scorers. Saliba, 22nd minute. Morita, own goal, 62nd minute. Thursday, March 9th, 2023. Estadio José Alvalde. Timeline. 22nd minute. Saliba heads home Vieira's corner for the opener. 34th minute. Anaccio heads past Turner from an in-swinging corner. 55th minute. Paulinho scores at the second attempt to put Sporting ahead. 59th minute. Martinelli is only denied by a last-ditch tackle after an incredible run from the halfway line. 62nd minute. Xhaka's long-range shot is deflected into his own net by Morita. Granite Xhaka. They're a good team. They have good footballers as well. We saw they had a lot of discipline at the back, but we can do much better than today. If we have two legs to play, we take the 2-2 back to London and try to finish it there. Facts Jakub Kiwior became the 897th player to represent the Arsenal first team. Fabio Vieira has six assists in all competitions for the club this season, joint second behind Bukayo Saka. We're unbeaten in seven Europa League ties against Portuguese sides. Three wins, four draws. 
teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emil Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 12. William Saliba. 14. Edian Cantier. 15. Jakob Kivya. 16. Rob Holding. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Leandro Trossard. 20. Giorgino. 21. Fabio Vieira. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. 31. Carl Hein, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. For Sporting CP, head coach Ruben Amarim. Shirt, green and white hoops. Shorts, black. Socks, green and white hoops. 1. Antonio Arden, goalkeeper. 2. Matthias Reyes. 3. Jerry Sanjus. 4. Sebastian Coates. 5. Hidamasa Morita. 6. Soteris Alexandropoulos. 10. Marcus Edwards. 11. Nuno Santos. 12. Franco Israel, goalkeeper. 13. Luis Neto. 15. Manuel Ugarte. 16. Grosinia. 17. Francisco Trincao. 18. Abdul Fatou. 19. Hector Bellerin. 20. Paulino. 22. Andre Paolo, goalkeeper. 23. Daniel Braganca. 25. Gonzalo Lenacio. 26. Usmane Diamande. 28. Pedro Goncalves. 32. Mateo Tanlongo. 33. Arthur Gomez. 47. Ricardo Escayo. 77. Giovanni Cabral. 79. Yusef Chemiti. 82. Mateus. 84. Ricardo Escayo. Tonight, other Europa League fixtures. With first leg scores. 5.45 p.m. kickoff. Fenerbahce, nil versus Sevilla, 2. Betis, 1 versus Manchester United, 4. Freiburg, nil versus Juventus, 1. Feyenoord, 1 versus Shakhtar Donetsk, 1. 8 p.m. kickoff. Union SG, 3 versus Union Berlin, 3. Ferenguaros, nil versus Bayer Leverkusen, 2. Real Sociedad, nil versus Roma, 2. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Adidas.com slash Arsenal. Where we belong. 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 Where we belong.
Premier League. 30 years of stories. 30 years of lungs busting, nets bulging, audacious goals, outrageous flicks, academy breakthroughs, legends returned. 30 years of gasps, groans, chants, full-time cheers, full-time tears, saying we were there. But that's not all, the game is just the start. 30 years of supporting communities, 30 years of investing in the wider game, 30 years of thrilling football, made possible by 30 years of your support. Premier League. Adidas, Arsenal New 22-23 third kit Available now at the Armoury and arsenaldirect.com